Hey everybody, Robert Young with Beyond Grit, and uh, I had a great weekend. So we finally did something. It was on our bucket list. Nicole and I purchased a mountain house, and um, I never thought we would do it. We sat around, and I think we shocked the heck out of our kids that we actually pulled the trigger and did it. And uh, we moved in over the weekend. Um, it's kind of hodgepodgey. You know, we didn't have any furniture. We ordered some mattresses, but uh, but it's, it's uh, awesome. Right outside of Black Mountain. And the town of Black Mountain is amazing. It's a really cool new place to explore. Um, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So that happened this weekend. Um, another little thing that happened is um, I had a couple houses that were under contract and I just got a call this morning and one of them decided to terminate. And so I had to call up the buyers or I mean the sellers and, and let them know that. And, you know, when you get into buying and selling real estate, you have timelines and you, you go through like it's not going to happen, you know, and you try to meet these milestones as you go along. And when something like this happens, man, it's, it's kind of a gut punch, uh, to the, the sellers. So, you know, um, overcoming that and you just take, try to take it, you know, one step at a time, especially as a broker, because you're going to be there to help them along and you've got to be the calm person and you've got to let them know that it's going to be okay. But, uh, man, I feel for them. I, I totally feel for them. Um, but we'll get it back going and, um, it'll be on the market and I bet you it's under contract in the next couple of days because the real estate market here still in Charlotte and wax on Union County area is so tight. Um, we're like 0.6 months supply of home and it's incredible. It's crazy. Uh, what's going on. But um, hey, you know what? We're moving along and we're making things happen. It's a good year and I'm totally grateful. Um, my guest this week is Rule and Pierre and uh, they grew up in the Netherlands and they worked over there for a while. Pierre was the first one that kind of came over here uh, for his company and ended up really falling in love with America. And then uh, he knew Rule back in the Netherlands and uh, then Rule came over here too, and they started working. And uh, they built a, a company called Simcon Group, and it's together with uh, those two, Rule's brother, and then uh, another gentleman by the name of Frankie that uh, they all work together. And they're a supplier of consumables and raw materials. And what they do um, was big in the CD industry when CDs were around. And they're still around. They're still making them. They've got the machines for it. Um, they've got that. But what they're getting into now is, is vinyl. And vinyl is coming back. But they're not just making vinyl out of regular old school materials. They're making it out of green materials, which is much better for the planet. Um, they're, they've got the technology, they're moving along with it, and it's working out quite well for the group. And they're, they're so excited. So we sat down, 
to have a little chat to talk about where they came from, how they all met together, and then where they are today and where they're going to go and where they want to be. So um, I've known these two guys um, for quite a few years um, from the gym. They just have a really interesting story, and uh, they're a couple good, really good guys. So sit back, enjoy the chat, and I'll talk to you guys later. I know this is the first time we've got a, a, a three. We got a threesome. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Usually it's a little one on one. Yeah, you're doing um, the double Dutch today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, that, that is funny. Um, but tell me a little bit, and we're going to go, we're going to kind of go right into this. Um, I've known you guys for years, and I knew you guys did things with CDs and plastics and polymers and different things um what are you guys doing like what's what's your gig right now right well um we yes we both came out of the cd and dvd industry originally and um kind of in 2005 we stuck our heads together and um and started on our own um in the same in the cd and dvd industry so we became very fast the uh, the largest reseller of secondhand equipment in in this industry so we don't make discs ourselves, but we sell the equipment to make the discs to people like Technicolor, Sony, and a whole bunch of smaller independent guys. Um, in 2005, we started that uh, with Rule, his brother Harm in the Netherlands, and Frank, uh, one of our friends. And um, that uh, we became very quickly the only one who would be able to deliver you a complete CD factory on your floor secondhand with no risk. Donkey. Yeah, from, from A to Z. So we would sell the machines, install it, ship them, install them, uh, get them up and running. That was pretty much rule and harm's uh, gig. And train your engineers. How did you come about doing that? Um, as I said, we you know we both came out of the industry. I uh, I started in the Netherlands uh, working for a company who made uh, the actual equipment. Okay. Um, and then Rule and his brother had a service company, so they did a lot of installations and repairs on the similar type of equipment. Okay. And you know after a whole tumultuous couple of years, we decided all right, it's time to do this on our own. Okay. Yeah. And that, that grew very fast, actually. Uh, we became, uh, as I said, we started in 2005. Um, a year later, we rented a, sp- a small space. Uh, two years later, we rented a bigger one. And in 2010, we bought this building here. Okay. And, uh, expanded that. And now I think we have somewhere like 50,000 square foot of, uh, of warehouse space. Yeah, it was pretty big. There was a lot of stuff crammed into this small space. Yeah, and then in the Nels, our warehouse and office is pretty decent size as well. The ones in the, in South America, they're smaller. Okay. Now, do you do this worldwide? Yeah. 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 So we're, uh, we have locations, uh, of course, here in, in Pineville. It's the headquarters. Uh, one in the Netherlands, where our rules brother is. Uh, we have one in, uh, in Hong Kong, Brazil, 
Mexico City and Bogota, Colombia. Okay. Uh, Mexico City and Bogota are mostly for some other business we do yeah. in the uh, ophthalmics or in the high glass business. Um, so yeah, I might as well jump into that right away. Then. Yeah. Uh, so with the CD DVD business going you know down with all the in the last couple of years with the downloads and the online movies, uh, we saw the need of expanding our business in into different industries. Uh, about three, four years ago, we started with the ophthalmic in industry, which is your actual lenses in your eyeglasses. And um, that was surprisingly very similar to making a CD. It is uh, typically yeah. polycarbonate. But most lenses are made out of polycarbonate. So a lot of the materials used to process uh, lenses mm -hmm. are uh, very similar to what we do in optical disc. So we, f we found a fairly easy transition in finding suppliers, and some of the suppliers are exactly the same, uh, for the materials to, to do this, uh, this kind of type of work. Okay. So it's, it's, you know, it's polycarbonate, it's, it's coatings, it's very thin deposition, um, it is uh, polishing, cutting. UV uh, coating. UV coating. So. Dip coating. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's go, let's get to the fun stuff. So not that polymers and dip coating and all that <laughs> stuff isn't fun, but um, tell me your story coming up because you, were you both in the Netherlands? Before, is that where you guys grew up? We did, but uh, we didn't meet until uh, what was it? What year was it? Two thousand two, something, something like, like two thousand one yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah. In Charlotte, yeah. we met each in other Charlotte. for the first time in Charlotte at the Embassy Suite on South Drive. Correct. Yeah, for breakfast. And, and the funny part is, we grew up in the Netherlands, maybe thirty minutes from each other. Okay, yeah. but you know, both in small towns. Um, I moved to the U.S. with the company I used to work for in ninety uh, six. Um, in Charlotte, actually, that's where we started. Then moved to California in 2000. And uh, on a trip back here to visit one of our customers, uh, Rule was doing an installation. Universal. Yeah, Universal Music. Uh -huh. uh, we met at the, at the Embassy Suites. And, and that's how we got to know each other. Yeah. So, and you, but when you grew, you left the Netherlands. Did you go to California or were no, you in no, Charlotte? No, when, when we met, I was still living in the Netherlands. So okay. I came out of school, started working for EMI Compact Disc with my brother, uh -huh. uh, Harm, and we started uh, doing uh, yeah, the technical work on the equipment at that uh, factory in the Netherlands, manufacturing uh -huh. uh, of the optical disc. And then me and Harm said, you know, we, we can do this independent, start working for the equipment manufacturers and do um, their installation for them because their market was so booming at that time. Uh, Optical disc in 1998, it really started growing. See, not DVD yet, even. Uh, and we started contracting to equipment manufacturers uh, and helped them with installations worldwide. Okay. Literally worldwide. Asia, Africa, yeah, worldwide. Europe, United <laughs> States, South America. Uh, and the company we did most work for was a company Pierre and Frank worked for. Yep. Okay. Hey, but you, you guys still had no idea who each other were. No, 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 no not at all. Uh, yeah. The company I used to work for, uh, called ODME, um, bought the company he did most of the work for. And became a Tulex, uh, and they became a public company. Bought another company in California. Um, 
they moved me back there in 2000. Then, you know, in 2002, uh, it started, uh, the economy started going really bad. They, uh, they went through bankruptcy. Um, one of the old owners bought the company back, uh, kept the U.S. going, and so I started, kept on working for them. Um, then in, uh, in 2003, they were downsizing California and wanted me to move back to, uh, to Charlotte to open up the office here. While we were doing that, they sold um, most of the company to a German company called Singulus. And that's actually the last one surviving in the industry making equipment. To date, yeah. Yeah, to, huh? uh, till today. And um, so did that, talked to them. Um, they decided, hey, we like you, love you, but we want you to go back to California and run that office for us. Well, I didn't see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> so we just, you know, got our self-settled here uh, and um, really didn't want to go back to California. So then in 2004, I quit and uh, started doing some work for myself, started my own company. In 2005, we stuck our heads together and uh, I made, at that time, process technologies and services. Who bought uh, Simcon, which one was a friendly competitor in, uh, was that 2011? So we grew Simcon, uh, we added some offices uh, left and right over the world and uh, grew the business. Yeah. How did you guys stay in contact from the first time you met till now, just because uh, it worked? Naturally, actually, eventually I moved to the U.S. as well, yep. to California, when he was also still in California. Okay. And I was working there out of the, they were one of my bigger clients, so I was working with closely with, with Pierre and Frank. So you still had life. contact. Yeah. Yep. Did, um, do you guys like living here in the U.S.? Loved it. I yeah. Loved it. yeah. I mean, I moved in uh, 96. That uh, was kind of a funny thing. My, um, I was the owner of the company. I was working directly under him. And uh, we organized a sales meeting from all the regions, Asia, South America, the U.S. And, um, it was finished on Friday, so Friday afternoon he, uh, he called me in and he said, hey, Pierre, uh, how about you going to go to the U.S. for us for a couple of years? And uh, I go, oh, that sounds like a plan. I'd like to see that. So mm -hmm. he said, yeah, here's your ticket. You're leaving Tuesday. Yeah. So I packed my stuff, um, liked it, loved it. Uh, it was exciting. You know, it's throwing yourself into the deep and swimming. Yeah. Um, and um, love the country. We love the people. Uh, it's, it was it was hard in the beginning. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, by yourself, um, you know, you think your English is really good when you're coming out of uh, out of college, and then you get the, the sudden twang. <laughs> oh my God! I didn't understand anything anymore. <laughs> so did you? You speak English when you came over here? Yeah. Yep. Did you rule? Yeah. I okay. Did. Probably All right. more broken than now. Yeah. I spoke it in the Netherlands. You know, when you grow up. In elementary school, you will learn Dutch, obviously. Uh, that's a mother tongue. And then German and English. Speak, write, and read. And French. Okay. So typically you start learning four languages. Right wow. Away. Yeah. They, um, was it hard to conduct business here in the beginning? Super easy. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Americans make decisions quick. Quick. Yeah. In yeah. Europe, everything has been thought over and over and over. Not as bad as in Japan, I guess, but... No, Asia's even worse, but... Yeah. Uh, 
to be honest, I, you know, we started our own company here, and um, with a lot of hard work, uh, that's something you definitely have to do. Um, there's plenty of opportunities, mm -hmm. and it's amazing how um, how the U.S. and the people love that. You know, they love that you're successful. They they want you to succeed and and help you. Mm -hmm. I, would, I mean, we had help out of the strangest corners. Uh, you know, customers who knew us, liked us, and talked really good about us to to other companies, and our business boomed in in especially in 2008, 2009. That was crazy. Yeah, we did it all. We were very yep. hands on from. Yep buying the equipment or brokering it yep. to going to places to dismantle it, ship it, or package, ship it, all hands-on, yep. drive to rent four trucks wherever we were, load yep. containers. Uh, we did we did everything ourselves. Flew after I the mean, equipment and go back crazy. and install it and make it run. Yeah. yeah. Were there any crazy story? I mean, you're in different countries, loading equipment, moving it, installing it, any, uh, any problem with governments and no. no no not really um typically we have we know a lot of people in a lot of countries so we had a lot of help uh with people who know the local rules and regulations um hard countries are of course the country where we're not allowed to do business with like iran iraq um, but um we leave those to other people yeah we, we don't touch that but in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, and, and, and South America, it's fairly easy. It's good. Well, uh, use equipment to Brazil. It's, a, That's it's tough, very tough. hard. Yeah. yeah. They don't like use equipment coming into the country at all. Yeah. So it's, it's import regulations. Uh, typically, you have an import duty of 90 to 100% of the price. So that makes it very expensive even for use equipment to get in there. Right. Uh, so we decided to start a company there with our own import license. Uh, we sent some people there from Colombia uh, and they run their business really well. So. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. You guys you guys have just walking through and getting the tour and what you guys have thought about and with machining and with selling parts and with install and with setting up, you know, very smart and was that something that you're just good at we just evolved yeah i, I would yeah. say we, just, we learned a lot in we the, learned a lot over the years and uh you know if, if you look at uh, in the beginning ruled that nothing but installations and repairs on machines now he barely touches it and does most of the sales i don't want to touch him anymore <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> as least as possible but yeah, so it, it, it evolved. Uh, I mean, Rule does most of our sales, runs the sales departments of, uh, of the several companies we have. Um, you know, my role is, is more the management of all the different companies and making sure everything fits together and is profitable. Uh -huh. um, and, but together, the group, as uh, with the four of us, it, it works good together. Yeah. We really have our own roles. Yeah. We all, like, Harm does his stuff in Europe with the development of the green vinyl project. Frank is involved in the vinyl and uh, the production of the vinyl uh, stampers and the CD and DVD stampers. Pierre oversees all, and I, I work with sales and uh, and new procurement of new products as well. And everybody kind of has their own role and respects each other's role, and yep. you guys come together and 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot. We, we're always, it's, it's very open. So we hear whatever, what the other one is doing. And if, if there's something going wrong, we're like, hey, you forgot about this. I forgot about that. And, uh, you know, we talk daily. I mean, every day, 24 hours a day almost. Yeah, you guys get along quite well, don't you? Yep. Yeah, we never had any clashes. No. I mean, we can, you know, it's, we always have arguments. You know, that, that happens. But that's never personal. It's always, you know, it gets heated once in a while. Yeah. Um, we'll go drink a beer. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that. No. So you were telling me about um, the new stuff that you're working yeah. on. And um, is that like public knowledge you guys? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. No. So we, we want it to be yeah. <laughs> public knowledge. So before in the, in the record industry, and that was big, you know, so you had your vinyl records. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, kids started bringing back yeah. the vinyl records. And so you guys kind of got back into that space or are in that space, but it's different. It's not vinyl. Yeah. It's a, it's a plastic, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So so a, a traditional record is is made out of PVC, uh, polychloride vinyl, um, very toxic, cancerous, um, not good for the environment. Uh, we came up with the idea what three years ago yeah. about that. To make it out of a plastic which sounds the same, feels the same, has the same weight, just doesn't smell the same, uh, as a vinyl record in a, a faster and more economical way. Yes, because the technology really that's still used by current vinyl record pressers mm -hmm. is still 50-year-old technology. They still do it on a press with steam. Uh, it's not very environmentally friendly and it, it costs a lot of energy. Are there manufacturers here in the U.S. that are oh, yeah. still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, quite a few. Uh, I think, uh, well, the largest ones are in Europe, but the U.S. has a few really big ones. And uh, new equipment has been made for, for the traditional way of making vinyls, but it's still the same method. Based it's, on 50-year-old yeah. technology. Still, it still needs a big steam boiler, which, you know, natural gas, so heating up water. Uh, still very using PVC. PVC, paper stickers, uh, you know, the inner labels on paper. Um, so f with us, we do it at a similar way as a CD is made with injection molding with a uh, plastic compound, which is similar to, to a plastic bottle. Um, it was just the hardest way was for us to find out which plastic combination worked with the sound quality. So now we're as far that we... Uh, We've developed it. It sounds equal or better than a traditional vinyl. Uh, it feels a little different. It's a little bit more flexible, um, but we can recycle it completely. Uh, and and this, the, the carbon footprint is about 70% or 80% less than PVC. So we now uh, are getting traction uh, in, the, in the music industry and in the market. So we've been talking to all the big boys like Disney, uh, Universal Music, Sony Music, uh, we're doing a couple of really big releases for uh, for Disney, and um, we're talking to one of the largest country singers in the world, uh, actually the second largest album sales artist in in the world, just okay. below the Beatles. The Beatles are a little bit bigger than him. Okay, but that's it. And um, so we're adding. We have one machine now in the Netherlands. We're going to add one to that, and then two here in Pineville. 
hopefully by the end of the year, and then uh, we get going. Start pressing records. Was that rule? Were you the sales on on that? No, no. I think it was more my brother. Yeah? Yeah. In the Netherlands, he did all the R&D work on the the whole project. Okay. So from A to B, uh, or A A to B to C. Harm is a really good molding engineer, very technical. Uh, so he does most of our technical stuff also. Uh, he, he led that whole project technically. Yeah. So and then uh, the Netherlands. since Rule is so busy with, uh, with the ophthalmics, the eyeglasses, that I took over the uh, pretty much the sales and the promotion of the vinyl records myself. And it's, it's starting to you know, get, a, get a hold now. Yeah. yeah. Now are you hoping to... Well, of course, you're hoping to start eliminating the vinyl and bringing in yours as a greener way of of putting music back out yeah. for yeah. the kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 funny because we never expected this to happen with vinyl. I mean, uh, but you know, everybody wants to have something in their hands. Look at the big album, the the beautiful print. Read about the song texts. Read about the artist. And you know, it's it's big. It's, 14 by 4, 12 by 12, yeah, I think, not, 40 by 14, so it, it looks pretty in your room. Yeah. And a lot of, actually, a lot of the records are made, uh, are collectibles and will not even be played. Uh, it's just nice in the, in the cabinet. Instead of a book, you have 20 records. Records. That's yeah, uh, If you go to the major retailers, they, they, they're bringing it back into their stores right now. Yeah, I mean, my daughter has a record player, and, and she got it, I don't know, three years ago, and it was really cool. Her grandmother's, one of their friends growing up, sent her a box full of vinyl records, Mm -hmm. old ones. And it is, it's cool because, like you said, you can feel it, you can open that up, you can read about it, and got the lyrics and there are stories behind it and different things. It's kind of cool, as opposed to just taking your phone out and flipping through. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, the market for vinyl records has grown uh, the last years with 10% each year. So it's the fastest growing music media uh, in the world. I believe it even outsold uh, the top in 1996. I think it was the top year vinyl records were sold, and they outgrew that already. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> that's I would, crazy. Who would have thought? I mean, yeah, neither neither did we, and uh, luckily we jumped in at the right moment. Yeah. Do you think DVDs and or not DVDs but CDs will come back like music CDs? Maybe maybe, maybe audio cassette. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually one company in the US who only makes audio cassettes. Really? And they're very successful. Yeah. Uh, CD won't go away uh, for a long time. It is still the cheapest media to send music out or data out. It's cheaper than a USB stick to make. Uh, it's rigid. Um, you can travel with it. Uh, DVDs, you know, with the online, the streaming, Netflix, that is a tough market, um, but still, I mean, if you have a uh, DVD player in your car for your kids, you still need discs. Yeah, I mean, I still have a handful. Yeah, you yeah. can get them. They're cheap. And then they, you they have it. Cheap. They're cheap to make. I mean, on raw materials, you're under ten cents on a disc. Yeah. Without the packaging, just yeah. the disc itself with with a five color print. The raw materials is less than ten cents. Oh, that's pretty. So, what's your how many lines of business do you guys have going on? Uh, currently, we have uh, typically five lines of business going on. There's five different companies. Um, 
well, businesses. And then I think we have uh, over the world 16 different businesses, uh, all controlled from here. And um, all in all, it, it, it fits together. I mean, yeah. we, uh, we went from CD to vinyl to spare parts, raw materials, and a printing shop. Apparel printing. Uh, apparel printing, T-shirts, booklets, uh, duplication of CDs, printing on those. And, uh, so the group itself fits good together. Yeah. How do you guys handle that much? A lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Multitask. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is. It gets challenging. I mean, uh, I can switch from, you know, from the CD business two seconds later to help rule with, uh, with something in the optomic, read a contract, sign NDAs, talk to Sony Music, and then flip back to talk to Red Bull eyeglasses. Uh, it keeps things interesting and fun. Yeah. Any turds? Like, any fails? And um, are you, yeah, you been not, pretty good? I mean, maybe not fails. The biodiesel? But, yeah, biodiesel. The biodiesel. Yeah, that true. was a big that was turd. A, yeah. And, and that's also, <laughs> was our first big turd. It was a huge one. Uh-huh. Uh, so we invested in a uh, biodiesel factory uh, in Mississippi. And... Um, Lo and behold, we were not in control ourselves. We were just an investor, and it went went belly up. So mm-hmm. we lost quite a bit of money, but we learned a good lesson. So now, uh, if we step into something, we need to be in control. Well, yeah. We still have a house somewhere in Mississippi that's leaned on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get that. <laughs> Who knows? So you, how long did that go before it went? Two years. I think within two years, it uh, were little bit of uh, scam artists yeah. a lot of negativity it was so it was crazy and then you know once you it was run by two people who had no clue uh, and then when you come in and say hey let me help you uh, I'll do it for free but let me at least manage it and get things back on the road uh, you get just a lot of pushback because they're afraid that you find out that they're just stealing money they're from just you. scamming it and uh, we figured it out so we uh, we sued them and Actually, we won, but there's I doubt it if we ever see any money. Yeah, <laughs> you won, but nothing probably coming no. to you. Yeah, no. Uh, well, just a lot of headaches and lawyer costs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but it's one of those things. You're not going to hit a home run every single time. No, you know? no definitely not. And we've, we've tried other little pieces of businesses uh, where we thought, okay, you know, in the printing industry, maybe we could expand to that. Then we figured out, nah, not really. There's the market is too hard. So it's, we, it's hard to find your groove. Yeah, it's yeah. not easy to start a new line of business. Yeah, it'll, it'll take a couple of years. Yeah. But you guys have been pretty successful in what I would say is a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you could say that we've been, um, yeah, in, in the CD DVD industry, very, very successful. Um, and then in the ophthalmics, the eyeglasses, it's, you know, it's slowly growing and growing. Last year, of course, was a, was a big hit. We're uh, strong in South America. Yeah. With the, uh, you know, with South America was very closed down. I mean, with COVID, uh, the U.S. was tough. But we survived. We still did, did good. Mm-hmm. Uh, kept everybody employed. Uh, still made a little bit of money. Uh, this year, we already passed last year. Oh. So this year, it's, it's uh, the, the vision part of our business is uh, is booming the and the vision part that was just something 
out of the blue? Did you see it up? Where did the opportunity present itself with the vision? Uh, in Colombia, actually, South America. So happened to visit a, a lab and saw that a lot of the materials were similar that we used like, for optical discs. Like, hey, we need to look at this because optical disc was, is, is still going down. Yeah. And we have to replace that with something. You know, we have employees. We are responsible for them and their families. So we have to find something else to work with. And, yeah. Uh, that was a good choice. Yeah. Really. That's why uh, I said, you know, we're, we're stronger in, in South America, Central and South America, with vision, with ophthalmic uh, lens processing materials than, than in the U.S. But this is the year we're going to pound down on the U.S. Kind of get it for that. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the U.S. actually... Uh, and we're getting traction. Very, very much. Uh, yep. In the last couple of months, the U.S. has outperformed the other two regions already. Um, we just had a trade show in Orlando, uh, which went really well, and then we have another one in September in Vegas. In Las Vegas, yeah. But we are now, you know, we're not just talking to the small guys, the small laboratories. We are we're now discussing it with the, the big insurance companies, the, the larger Costco's, uh, VSP. So that that brings larger volume, larger customers, right. bigger growth. So you did one of your on your little form, you know, I was I was asking you know challenges and was that the the biodiesel the one that you were referencing to? no no that's another one in the netherlands uh, new parts for you that was pre frank and and uh, pierre time that was me and my brother and two uh -huh. other partners in the netherlands uh, when we're doing all those installations you know you go to clients who make discs and uh, uh, they need spare parts so my brother and i started uh, uh, buying spare parts uh, and selling them to clients and then another uh, two guys in the Netherlands were uh, doing the same but they were really only buying and selling not like hands-on at uh -huh. the floor installing equipment and sell the spare parts so we teamed up with them and we formed a company new part for you and these, these two yahoos just screwed us uh. big time well done, Jacques and Glenn. <laughs> I'm sure some people will hear this, uh, hopefully in the Netherlands, and you got to watch out for those guys. <laughs> They're not honest. Yeah. yeah. But, so, you know, it, it is what it is. They Then that company went bankrupt, so, you know, a uh, new part for you, and they bought it back from the receiver and then restarted, and then they went in a tiff together or trying to scam each other, and they went bankrupt again, so... Uh -oh. tells you, you know so it was a problem yeah in in the end you know honestly uh lasts the longest yeah yeah but it's hard you know to yeah. do your due. you try to do your due diligence with people you're going into business with yeah. but sometimes it just unfolds yeah. the wrong way yeah but you know i i learned you know you have to look forward if you look backwards on those kind of things it's going to hold you back going yeah. forward yeah. so it's better to you know now we can laugh about it, I guess. Yep. But it's better to be positive and look forward instead yeah. of looking back. Well, you know, one of the, the guys I talked to today, you know, that was his big thing. And I think it's it's a big thing with a lot of successful people. And they're going to fail, right? And you fail fast and move forward. Fail yep. fast, move forward. Because, like I said, not everything is... And if you're scared to fail, then entrepreneurship is not, not your... Not yeah. Not you got to... There's you a different gotta, mindset in it. It is. It is. So you gotta, you know, you gotta work hard. You gotta be, take risks, and be extremely resourceful. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we 
what I would always say, we sniff out a little opportunity very fast. And, and we get good at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're very extremely resourceful. And you gotta, you know, not be afraid to get your hands dirty. I always say, you know, one time, one day I can sit in my, my suit and talk to the president of Technicolor. And the next day my, my butt is on, uh, on the forklift loading a container. I don't care. Yeah. You, you gotta do. You gotta you do, what, has do to be what needs to be done. Yeah. And we still do it. We yep. still go in the warehouse and sit on a forklift and load equipment or whatever. That's probably actually fun. Yeah, yeah it, is. Yeah. it is. We've only dropped a few. Yeah. <laughs> well, more more spare parts. Yep. Yeah, exactly. that's true. What do you guys like to do? You know, for fun. I mean, I've I've known you guys for a while, and we work out. And you know, do our thing, but uh, beyond business, like, do your families hang out a lot? Do you guys, do you guys kind of get together, or is it business and this business and? Um, not not that much. Yeah. I mean, once in a while, we'll you know we'll do dinner or hang out or do something, uh, but life is busy. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you got a lot going on with family, uh, other friends. You know, we see each other every day, each day. Yeah. Um. So that, that gets hard. Uh, uh, you know, we always said, well, you know, we need to do, we call it management meetings and go on a trip all together, but that hasn't happened in years. No. <laughs> the last one was skiing in, uh, in Ville. Yeah. Uh, we so a long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, it, that is tough, but everybody has, you know, their families, Rule and Frank have kids and, you know, they have school, they have their friends. Yeah. Um, and and then you have friends out of outside of the business, and both our wives work, so yeah, um, they have they're busy too. They do their thing. Yeah. Their but thing. what do you guys do for fun? Don't say work. Uh, me say and my work. wife and the kids, we travel a lot. Yeah. We do a lot of travel. I love doing that. Yeah. Tra- travel is probably for both of us the the most fun there is. I mean, uh, we get the we get a little itchy after a couple of weeks in the office, uh, but. For me, it's you know going to Asheville, you know going to restaurants, hanging out, yeah. visiting the breweries. Um, I, I, I love the mountains. Um, not so much a beach guy, but uh, yeah, I'm not a beach guy. Yeah. I visit it. It's okay to visit. Yeah. I like the mountains. Yeah, you guys are hitting mountains quite a bit. Yeah, hitting mountains, and uh, we like beaches too. But yeah. mountains are more fun. Yeah, going hiking, hang out with friends, trivia. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Big trivia tonight, yep. Thursday trivia night, which is fun. There's good people. I love the people I've met here in Charlotte. In such a yep. short period of time. Yep. Um, yeah. We always talk about we're gonna we're gonna move out west. We're gonna do this. Yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to. I don't want to start over again. Yeah, and when you've met like really good people, yeah. like it's we've met really good people here. Yeah, start starting over is one of the you know I, we both did it. We went yeah. from the Netherlands to the U.S. and then California to Charlotte, uh, and back and forth. And with our travels, we meet good people everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, Charlotte surroundings, great people, great environment. Uh, you know, CrossFit. Yeah, it's amazing how many people I've got to know there, and and uh, you know, it's it's a family. Yeah. I remember when we moved to Waxhaw, it was, and this is 2006 when Laura and I moved to Waxhaw, there was nothing there. There was Captain Galley's and 
Bridges and Rills, I believe. And if you see now, we, we stay a lot in our bubble and we've met a lot of people in Waxhaw, mainly also to the, to the gym. But yeah. um, now, before we could go somewhere, nobody would know us. Now, if we go anywhere, we will always run into somebody we know. Yeah. I, I, I find this the same way. It's like a big, small city. I run into more people here than I did when I lived back in Michigan. Yeah. And people that lived in the same town in Michigan, you still wouldn't run into them. It was the weirdest thing. But, I mean, every week I run into people at the grocery store or at the pub or wherever, you know, you go. But it is funny how Waxhaw has grown. Yeah. it's. I don't know. I think it's... You definitely better. know that as a realtor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now they're putting in a new... Aren't they putting in a new steakhouse in there? Yeah, I believe so. Main Street. Yeah. Steakhouse and distillery. Yeah, that'll be good. That looks like a cool building too. That'll yeah, be fun. that'll be fun. <laughs> what's uh, what's the future, you guys? What's um, on the horizon for you guys? I know you're you're doing your your um, record. Yeah. That's big, and waiting for that to kind of hit. But do you guys have anything you're? You know, we always say, you know, yeah, great. We're gonna the records. Once we sell that, we're we're. You know, done. Maybe you retire, but we're not the persons who retire. No, you know, we we can't. We like it too much. Uh, we love to travel. Um, it's not that we wouldn't do it a little bit different. Yeah, it would probably take a little bit more time off. And and you know, now when we go to to Colombia, we go in and out. We spend three days at the office and fly back. Well, maybe then we'll we'll stay a weekend and go visit the beach or go visit the mountains. Uh, and um. Yeah, I'd like to spend more time in my house in Asheville uh, instead of you know, five days a week here in the office, 12 hours, uh, you know, prefer you, to do it a little bit less. Yeah. Is it is it hard to do stuff remote? No, it's doable. It's yeah. doable. But I like to be visible, you know, and, and you know, there's still uh, here 16 people walking around. Uh, I'm always uh, a firm believer that you keep your finger on the pulse yeah. in, uh, in your company. Yeah, you have to be there. Yeah. You have to be. Was COVID hard for you guys to manage through? Uh, was it tough? It had its challenges. Yeah. It, it was tough, you know, the the CD market, which was still our largest uh, largest market, dried up. I mean, they, they couldn't produce because they were shut down. Um, Plus, next to that, they couldn't get any material. Uh, yeah. uh, polycarbonate was the main, it's the main material you use for making a disc and uh, one of the main suppliers in the US was down and they were not producing any polycarbonate so all the manufacturers of compact disc or optical disc as we say them uh, they couldn't produce because they couldn't get any plastic they don't produce with with plastic they don't need any raw materials and they don't use any spare parts they don't need anything no. huh. so that came at the same time as COVID hit yeah, on, the, on the back end of COVID was the the last part of last year and then the first two months of this year was still not available so we scrambled and then like we are like you know yeah. in south america all the ophthalmic labs they were yeah. all i mean they were on lockdown yeah. running so you don't sell anything so yeah got a little it got a little tough but you know it's not you know typical us in in a in a difficult period we scramble and started selling polycarbonate from asia so we bought in, in Taiwan, and I think we shipped 20, 30 containers uh, from Taiwan to the U.S. for U.S. manufacturing. And 
and get things going. Uh, you got to be resourceful. Yeah. Which is typically what Rule's good at. He will find crap Stop. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably some of the joy is the hunt. Yeah. It's fun. It, yeah, it's good. Perseverance. Good. Well, it was a pleasure sitting here talking to you guys. Wish you all the success. Thank you. And um, it's time to go get lunch. Yeah, it's fun. Great to do this. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Thank you. Bye.